Hey, before the episode starts, I just want to say that I was a guest on my buddy's podcast. It's called Five for Podcasting. I think it's a play on the band Five for Fighting. But um, it's a really cool podcast. He talks about sports mainly, but he, he dips into pop culture every now and then. And we spent a good hour talking about the new Mortal Kombat movie. Um, obviously, a lot of good stuff. But I, I made a lot of suggestions for changes in order to make it better. And I think it was a really fun and cool conversation. And if you're a Mortal Kombat fan and you like the new movie or you didn't like it, either way, it's a good podcast for you. Go check it out. It's called Five for Podcasting. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Blockbuster Hall of Fame. My name is Ray. I'm here with Jared. I'm here with Yorton. And today we're talking about Birdman. Um, we're covering the category, I guess, that we're doing right now is basically movies that were nominated for Oscars, right? For Best Picture, uh, specifically. Um, before we dive into this movie, though, Jared is going to play, he's going to host the Name That Game. Name that movie. I am I am all over the place, y'all. That name that movie game. I don't know. We don't have a name for it yet, so that's what we're gonna call it. Jared, you, you ready to host right. this? Yes. So well, hold I'm on. going to Can we go over the rules oh. real quick? Just one more time for the audience at home. So I guess now it's different. Me and Jordan are are playing, and if we you're gonna read the back of a, a DVD box to a movie, correct? Yes. Or VHS. We don't know how far back you're going. Um, and then if once me and Yorton, once one of us recognizes the name of the movie, we shout our name and then we get to guess at it. If we're wrong, we don't get to guess until the next person goes. Um, what's the theme? The theme. So I'm going to take our two main actors in Emma Stone and Michael Keaton. And I picked movies by both of them. So we have three of each. All right. Well, Hey, before we play, we, <laughs> we got to play the song. <laughs> I, need oh, a, yeah. I need to redo the song. Here we go. We're going to read the back of this movie. It's up to you to find now the name of that movie that I am describing. That movie. What is the name of that film? All right. Um, nominated for a Grammy. All right. I think we lost about half our listeners right there. <laughs> I, think, I think we gained a few. What are you talking about? Hey, we're going to. I'm going to speed that up and make it like a 10 second song. Anyways. All right. All right, Jared. I guess you're ready to start, Jordan? Yeah. All right. I'll shut up. All right. And Jared is hosting from here on out. All right. So, like I said, we are doing Emma Stone and Michael Keaton. So, just those two actors. That's our only thing. So the first movie, Adam and Barbara are a normal couple who happen to be dead. They have given their uh, precious Ray. time. Beetlejuice. Yes. Okay. Beetlejuice. I, I, just, I didn't board. remember the names, so the name was getting me. Me either. As soon I just as heard you the said word. Beetlejuice, I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. I just it. heard the word they were dead, and I was like, okay. All right, next. Finding family. Shelley Darlingson was raised in an orphanage, finally happy when she blossoms into a fox and moves into the Playboy Mansion. Unfortunately, 
she similarly expelled on her 27th birthday. In desperation, she takes a job as a house mother for a sorority of misfits losing their house for lack of members. They have but a few months to find 30 pledges or a sorority of mean girls will take over their place. Shelly figures that the girls will pledge a house that finds boys interesting. Uh, Ray. Ray. Clearly it's an Emma Stone movie. Um, Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say, I don't know. I've never seen it. House Bunny? Yes. Yeah. Is that the name? Of, I've never seen that movie. Yep. Yeah. Funny. I, I've actually seen this movie. And I could not see the name. I'm like, it's a, uh-huh. it's a hilarious movie. It's on, it's yeah. another Anna Ferris movie. Okay. All right. Two for me. I'm on a roll. This is why I don't play the game because I'm I'm freaking good at it, y'all. That's why I don't play this game. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just horrible at names apparently right now. Just can't think of the names. I've seen both of these movies and it's like, nope. Name name just completely. You know what, Jordan? You should host the next one. <laughs> you should you should be the host, and me and Jared should go at it. All right, Jared, next one. Sorry, I'll shut up. Construction worker Doug Kenny finds that the pressure of his working life, combined with his duties to his wife, oh, Laura, Jordan, Jordan. multiplicity. Yes, Jordan <laughs> wow. on the board. I've never seen it, but I get how he's. Has yeah, stress, he, he and he's like, if I had more of myself, making clothes of himself, yeah. and then the clothes are like, hey, this is too much. We're going to make clothes of ourselves, okay. and they s- slowly degrade. <laughs> All right, are y'all ready? We're born ready. Man. This is this is going to be a good one. A former U.S. Air Force officer, Brian Gilchrist, returns to Hawaii as a civilian contractor. He now works for a private space company owned by multi-billionaire Carson Welsh. This is a return home of sorts, but it is bittersweet. His best friend is now married to his ex-girlfriend, and he still holds a torch for her. Then there's Allison, the beautiful Air Force captain tasked watching over him. Anybody? Isn't this the movie that like people got mad at her for because she was supposed to be like half like Japanese or something? Yes, oh, sir. Okay, then Ray. I, I don't know Ray, the name of the Ray, movie. Ray, thank you Ray. so much, Yorton. The movie's called Aloha. Ray. Yes, Aloha. Aloha. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what the movie's <laughs> with the assist from Yorton. Well, yeah. I mean, her name is Allison Ng. So I yeah. thought it. I thought this I, was I a Michael Keaton. Exactly the movie, and I was like. All right, Jordan, two more. You got it. You got it. I thought it was a Michael you... Keaton movie until Jordan gave me that huge. No, I know exactly what movie it was, like right from the beginning. Hold on. Can we talk about Aloha real quick? I am a huge Cameron Crow fan. I haven't seen that movie. I'm scared to. All right, moving on. Oh, that is a Cameron Crow movie. I did forget. They, they were just upset that of that factor. That's the only thing negative I hear about it. Yeah. It's a pretty simple romantic movie from other than that. All right, next one, next one. Let's go, let's go. All right. Ooh, I'm on fire. Officers Danson and Highsmith are the two best cops that New York City has to Stop. offer. Stop. I mean, Ray. Turner and Hooch. Ray. No. What am I thinking Turner and Hooch, that's Tom. That's oh, I got, Tom my dad, I got my dad actors mixed up. I'm sorry. I got, However, I'm when they take on an assignment that proves for them to be too much to handle, they are killed in the line of duty. With New York now devoid of its heroes. Oh, Jordan. Jordan. The other guys. Yes. 
Yeah, because he plays the uh, the chief or the captain. Yep, he plays the captain. And he mm. always busts out with the, the music. The T- TLC <laughs> references. Yes. That movie is so funny. That was one of those shocking, funny movies. Is that with The Rock? Mm-hmm. He yeah. dies early on. <laughs> he dies okay. in the first five minutes. <laughs> Let's land in those bushes. Yes. Okay. Damn it. All right. Ray for the win, Jordan for the tie. Do you have a do you have a tie do you have a tiebreaker? Oh yeah. Okay. Set in Mississippi during the nineteen sixties. Ray. Sweet. Ray. The help. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, that was a good one. I retire. I retire. Hey, do the tiebreaker just for fun. Okay, so the tiebreaker is an Edward Norton movie. Oh, okay. So, are you ready? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Are you ready? Actually, no. I'm gonna do this movie instead. Oh, is it Edward Norton? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. It's a different Edward Norton movie. I just thought. Of okay, it. okay. Take your time. Um, We're not just sitting here. No, no, no. It's right here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I changed movies at the last second. I just thought of a different one. Okay. Okay. A supernaturally talented magician attempts to undermine Ray, the, the illusionist. Right. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's I, a good movie. I had to get my brain straight on which of the two movies it was. So I, yes. That's why I wanted to change it. I figured y'all would call yeah. it something different. All right. Hey, that was fun. Because it was the Prestige and the Illusionist that like, came out around the same time. And I was like, which one is it? Oh, I know. I know that one. The Prestige is... Uh, What's his name from Batman? Christopher Nolan. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, that I was, was going to say Michael Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Michael Keaton. Um, that was real fun. I like being on the other end of that. Okay. It's a skill I have that does me no help in real life. Um, it's really wasted. If I was just better remembering the names rather than the movies and the concepts of the movie, I'd probably beat you. <laughs> My superpower is remembering shit that no one should care about. So I don't know... <laughs> I mean, to be honest, Jordan, you're probably winning at life if you don't have that ability. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about Birdman here. This is, as far as I can remember, this is one of the first movies to go for like the one shot look. Can y'all think of any this movie is... that came before it? I know there's other movies that have done it. It was just the one that stood out and was popular and everything. But yeah, basically to the mainstream audience would be this movie i mean it's definitely the one that mastered that look right um this was like visually arresting i could not take my eyes off the screen because there weren't any cuts and i was like where are we going what's happening next the reason they haven't cut is we're following this character for a reason like they don't want us to cut away like something's gonna happen i don't know were you like yorton did you find it did you have the same effect pretty much where you just couldn't keep your eyes off of it because you wanted to know what was going on? Why, why wasn't it cutting type of type of feel? No, I didn't have that effect at all. The only thing that threw me off at the first was the beginning of the movie with the, the music and how the titles were for whatever reason. I thought I, I selected whiplash the way that movie started. <laughs> I was like, did I put to select the right movie? <laughs> how about you, Jared? You, did you, have a similar effect i guess think back to your first time watching this movie because this was this was my first time oh no the first time i watched it i thought it was really interesting they went with a one shot um 
Inaritu, the director, Alfonso Gonzalez Inaritu, he really wanted to do this. This is like a baby of his. It came to him in a dream. He was like, I'm going to do it. And he was ridiculed by other directors because they said it can't be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's literally, but he was like, no, it can. You just have been doing it the wrong way. Uh, so part of the way that he did it, there was so much like rehearsing and acting and everything mm-hmm. that went into it before it got shot. Because a lot of people just say like, oh, no, we're just going to do a normal amount of rehearsals and then we're going to try and shoot it uh, like one take. But he was like, no. That's going to fail every time. Everybody has to know their lines. We can't feed lines. We can't feed the way we act. They just have to go. And so that's kind of what he did. And it was awesome. Um, I'm not sure if you guys watched 1917. I did. Uh, it was similarly in the one, uh, one shot mm-hmm. sequence mm-hmm. like this, uh, which was really awesome because it lends to the movies being very f- frenetic. Uh, that was one of the things that I wrote down about this movie. Like, obviously, it's not in the middle of World War One, but it still feels very frenetic as this movie goes on. And so you're just like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen next? Similar to what you were saying, Ray. And it just leads to just excitement for every step of the way. I, 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 wanna, I wish I could see a behind this. I guess I could YouTube it. Like, how did they transition? Because, you know, it wasn't a one shot. There, there were definitely secret cuts in there, but I, I don't know where they would be. Um, and going back to what you said earlier, they definitely, you could tell, they treated this more like a play where everyone had to know their lines. Mm-hmm. You, you couldn't just like memorize this scene and come back and learn the next scene the next day. It was like, no, memorize the script. Well, it's funny that you brought that up about the play because one of my comments that I even wrote down because I wanted to make sure I talked about it, the acting style in the movie itself was very much theater, where mm-hmm. it's a little bit more gravitas and over the top. Like everyone, I felt like was more playing like they were in a theater. So this was funny because it's sort of like a movie about making a theater played as a theater style movie. It was really cool that they did that though, because usually when you're watching movies, you're like, you don't really notice the acting. In mm-hmm. a, I mean that in a good way. Sometimes someone's acting like, damn, they are killing this scene right now. There was a lot of moments in this movie where I was like, Edward Norton's good. Like, he's damn good. And it's when he's switching between his character and then his character in the in the fictional play they're making, right? Same with yeah. same with uh, Michael Keaton. I was like, damn. They, they just turn it on like that, and they can just dive into this different character on, on spot, and it it's so good. I don't know. Y'all want to discuss... Uh, okay. Before we discuss the, the actors... I want to talk about the Dad Actor Hall of Fame. These are actors that your dad just universally love. Michael Keaton, Tom Hanks, and Denzel Washington are on that list. Can y'all think of any more? I was going to laugh because of you, Brad Pitt. <laughs> I guess I am a dad now. Well, let's think about <laughs> you, our dads. You are in love with Brad Pitt. <laughs> I love the whole Clooney. Here, okay. Clooney and Pitt represent like a classic era of Hollywood that just doesn't exist anymore. And I'm just fascinated by it. That's, uh, sound like a dad there with that statement <laughs> i do i know um uh, but I mean, like you're forgetting the ultimate dad actor harrison ford yes yeah. okay you're right i'm adding him i'm adding harrison <laughs> so that's oh what my I god i wanted to fill out this that, list that's a criminal offense from you there yeah right? no no like i can't believe you like <laughs> harrison ford and denzel should have been like the top two <laughs> i'm adding someone else 
Robert Redford Who? and Paul Newman. I feel like no, they're not bad Paul actors. Newman. Oh, I wouldn't go with Paul Newman, but Robert Redford'd be a good one. Okay. Oh yeah, I don't know about Paul Tom Newman. Tom Selleck yeah. though. That's your mom actor. She will no, watch that, Tom yeah, Selleck. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with no. that. I agree with Ray. That's a mom actor. I don't know. I was thinking about like <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit and all those movies. Well, series. no, I think Tom Selleck for the TV shows though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't go straight to Smokey and the Bandit. I go straight to Hawaii Five O. Hey, if if we are missing any lists, please are mis- missing any actors on this dad actor yeah. list. Email us blockbusterhof at gmail.com. That's a fun I list think, to come uh, up with, though. Huh? Um, did we say Tom Hanks? I got Tom Hanks, Michael Keaton, Denzel, and Harrison Ford. I have a distinct memory of my dad going, "Oh, Michael Keaton's new movie. It's got to be good." And I was like, "Who?" And like, I, it's the first time I just have a vivid memory of him just loving michael keaton and it was the first time i heard my dad like really love an actor it's like oh weird okay um tom hanks as well denzel everyone loves denzel right especially dads um harrison ford i guess you're right harrison ford is not just a dad actor that's a mom and dad actor the women like him the men love him i think that's the mount rushmore am i wrong uh i I know we're missing some we are I just can't not remember. Tom Cruise. Not Tom Cruise. No, he's everybody. He's generational. Um, I'm going to say Val Kilmer, maybe. No, I think he's fringe. He's a lower tier for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, say, he's I'm not. Sure. I'm not. We're not trying to diss him or anything, but he's just not top tier. Yeah, yeah. No, no. You guys are right. That's why I was like, I think he's fringe. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I got someone. Um, what's his name? Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, yes. My dad, like, <laughs> crazy. The Fugitive is one of my dad's favorite movies. <laughs> there we go. Tommy Lee Jones. Um, and it has Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. <laughs> yep. Um, Al Pacino. So basically, uh, the villains from uh, Batman Forever. <laughs> oh, gosh. Not oh, Jim Carrey. That's a black mark on their resume. Um, all right. Let's move on to discuss Michael Keaton here. Um, Michael Keaton. Obviously, we first were introduced to him as Batman. Maybe multi- multiplicity. I don't know. But he's most known in our lives as Batman. The one who can't turn his neck from side to side. Um, do y'all know that story? No? Yeah, because okay. it's, it's hard rubber. You can't turn. <laughs> his whole body would turn. Um, yeah. I like, I'm doing it visually as if anyone can see me at home. Um, I. What do y'all think about his character in this movie? I'll start with you, Jared. Give me your raw uh, thoughts. Uh, I thought Riggin was awesome. I thought he was great. He was going through all of his inner monologues through the movie. Uh, obviously, he did the the voice of Birdman as well, like the deeper voice. He modeled that after Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, no, he just, like, it's a character. It's a movie about, like, transformation, and his character is, like, transformation and acceptance of who he is and who he wants to be and who he's going to be. And there's so much symbolism within Reagan compared to Michael Keaton as himself. And it was so cool because uh, Inaritu actually did not originally think about casting Michael Keaton in this role. Michael Keaton had heard about Birdman and then heard that Inaritu could not find his actor. So Keaton said, what about me? And Inaritu said, 
why didn't I think of this first? <laughs> <laughs> so no, it was just crazy because then they shipped obviously shifted everything to model it after this guy and it just fit because he at this point when this movie came out, it's kinda like what has Michael Keaton done lately? Mm-hmm. That's you know, he's formerly Batman and then just comes out in this movie and is almost like a self parody, but it's Yeah, there's definitely just, parallels for sure. Yeah. It's just so par- like it's just so good. His character was so good and so true to life. Like you felt like Michael Keaton was just being Michael Keaton, not this over the top character named Riggin. There there's so much symbolism and I, I was even now that it's over, I don't think I caught all of it, but I was like, I wonder like like what I'm getting it now. Like I'm thinking about it now that the movie's over and I'm just thinking about it like I, I didn't really understand at the moment, like why was this Birdman voice in his head and why was he falling around? But I just kind of realized, like maybe I'm wrong, but it's it's his past that it just refuses to let go, you know, um, and it's just falling him around. Um, I don't know. I thought it was weird because the movie makes you question too. Like, can he? D- does he have powers? Like throughout the whole movie, he's just doing this stuff, and it slowly reveals that it's it's in his head, kinda towards the end mm-hmm. but in the beginning you're like this dude's throwing stuff with his fingers from across the room and um when he told um what's his name from hangover um Zach Galifianakis yeah when he told him I made that light come down and hit the actor in the head I was like oh is this a twist of the movie I didn't uh, that wasn't in the trailer <laughs> or something like I didn't know he could do this so I don't know I was really fascinated by his character Yorton do you have any thoughts uh, no, I thought he had a. It was very interesting character, uh, because he at some points seems like yeah he's got everything straight, and then other times he is just back crazy, just like his whole life's falling apart. And it's mm-hmm. just interesting seeing the the dynamic that he's going through, and and then his inner monologue that he had as seeing himself as a uh, Birdman. I sort of remember back when um, uh, Batman Beyond. And where Bruce Wayne, re- re- uh, Batman, realized, I'm not going crazy because I don't call myself Bat- or Bruce Wayne. I always call myself Batman. <laughs> so I had a little flashback to that where his inner monologue isn't himself, but his alter ego that he has created there is yeah. Birdman. Um, okay. I thought he was fascinating, and I thought his character was fascinating, and I, I couldn't say anything better than what jared said just how it paralleled his life um speaking of characters that kind of parallel their life we have edward norton jared what was his name in this movie do you remember oh uh i got it up i got it up you're so good mark let's say it was mark anyways whoever he was playing i was like man mike shiner oh mike i was just thinking they have heard the stories of edward norton and they cranked it up to 11 and Edward Norton had to be aware of this. He must have been, he must have known he's playing a version of himself that's just hyper realized. Oh, yeah. He definitely knew he played into it, he played up onto the role of like this is I mean like the method acting style. Yeah, <laughs> hard to this work isn't with. the reason why I don't like Edward Norton. The reason I don't like Edward Norton, this movie like Hammer's Home, because I feel like Edward Norton is a after I watched this movie, like I was like, okay, he's a great actor. But then I look at all of his other movies, and he just plays like this stale role in like all of his other movies. And it's just like, man, like 
You're actually a good actor. Like, do this in every movie. I think he's an awesome actor. I think he's one of the best actors. He just, he's not a movie star, so he doesn't get to choose the kind of roles he wants to make. But he's he's fits awesome, this man. character in the movie real well, because he's like, I... He stole this bragging movie. about he wasn't a star, but yeah. he's an actor. I feel like, and he... yeah, I think I think that's that's where I'm like falling on because even rewatching this movie again, I'm just like, dude, Edward Norton, like you're a great actor, but I think what you said, Ray, about him not being a movie star is like, I think that's it, and I think I just want him to be a movie star because I know how good of an actor he is. But every time I watch him in a movie, it's just like. Dude, you're kind of boring. I think he's. If you need, like, if you have a juicy part and as a supporting role, I think he's the guy you get. I think he will take that part and deliver it, man. I think he he's one of the best supporting actors that I've seen. You know, um, his movies where he's the where he's the lead, hit or miss. You know, but if he's a supporting actor, he's gonna he's gonna kill it, and you're gonna you're gonna be like, damn, that guy was good. And he was really good in this movie. His character. Let's talk about his character. His character was was nuts. He made. He was terrible. A terrible human being. Yet he was completely entertaining. Um, the way he was going after Keaton's daughter was kind of creepy. He just made terrible decisions in this movie. Um, there. He has one of my favorite scenes is when he <laughs> he has a boner on stage in front of the whole audience, and he's just one of these guys who's like, we got like. Get rid of the fake shit, man. It's got to be real. We got to live in the moment. Make it real. And he's like, "Let's have real sex. Let's have real sex in front of the whole audience." And it's it's a hyper realized version of, and it's almost like a commentary where they're making fun of almost these method actors that go to the extremes. I don't know. I feel like he was he's my MVP of the movie. Yorton, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, you don't talk about MVP, but to- just talk about his character. Yeah. Oh, no, but his character was really good, and it really was showing Edward Norton his best, and just shows, like, like that monologue scene that he had when they were first on stage, where he's showing him, yeah, man, I know the lines, and he was changing up the lines and everything, mm-hmm. was probably one of the best, like, just sheer out monologue parts in this movie, and this movie has a lot of monologues in there. Oh, yeah. Jared, you were saying something? Sorry. Uh, no, I was... Um... Now I'm going to agree with Jordan um, <laughs> because that was one of my favorite scenes of the movie um, where he was just like, no, I know the lines. I can tell you, I know the lines. Whether he knew the lines or not, it was bullshit, but he's just such a good actor and the way that he delivered it, um, the character of Mike, the way that he delivered the lines, it looked great. And then I loved also when he talked to the, um, the theater critic in the bar, mm-hmm. just like every scene he was in, I just, it just felt great. He's one of those characters. He he's really good at playing characters that you just you don't want to trust. You know, he's in one of my favorite movies. Um, now that I brought it up, I can't think of it. Oh, Rounders, and he's just a slimy character. And he's a slimy character in this movie where you just like that newspaper article, that interview where he was on the front page. You know, and just kind of like a fuck you to Michael Keaton's character. I don't know. He's so good at playing a weasel. Um, y'all want to talk about Naomi Watts? No, I I really don't like. 
I feel like I, I feel had the nothing same. like negative or positive about it. She just like like sometimes I say where they fill the role, and it's like I can't really complain about it. But did it out stand out or anything? No, to me. So like she did a fine job, wasn't complaining, but nothing to like really talk about or anything. I have a similar That's... thought because I was like, I like her. She's gorgeous. She's good in everything she does. But in this movie, like Michael Keaton and Edward Norton were just just outshined everybody i felt like and she was kind of like a victim of that you know well i would also throw in emma stone for me like emma stone it's like we were talking about before with the other movie i I don't know what's with her but she is so good at enhancing the actors or actress she's working with on it Mm -hmm. and it's sort of a rare skill where a lot of times you can have actors or actresses that can like show off their own skill but for whatever reason when she's working with someone it enhances the other person she's working with mm-hmm. jared you got any thoughts on Naomi watts or emma stone um Naomi watts obviously is attractive yes um she's a good actress yes i thought she did a good job in this movie for the role that was written for her she was meant to i guess be in this not sort of like docile, like quasi fourth role that she was in, mm-hmm. but I thought she did a good job. I have nothing negative to say, um, yeah. positive to say. Like she did, she did her part. She did her part. Do your job. That's the thing that Bill Belichick always says. Do your job, and she did her job. Um, when it came to Emma Watson, um, that was one of the reasons why I picked this movie. Sorry, or, sorry, Emma Stone. <laughs> sorry. Uh, Just want to clarify. Yeah, keep going, dude. Uh, that was one of the reasons why I picked this movie because I remember when we talked about it before about Emma Stone always enhancing um, who she's with in the scene. And I just kept thinking about her first conversation with Michael Keaton and then her conversation with Edward Norton on the rooftop. And then I kept thinking of those two moments. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to pick this movie because I really want to watch those scenes over again. And sure enough, watch those scenes over again. It's just like, man, she's good. Man, the other person seems even better just in the room with her. So, loved it. Yeah, she she just has natural chemistry with everybody. And that's a, like Yorton said, I think it's just chemistry when it comes to her, right? She just feels like she belongs with anybody else in the room. Um, we don't have to talk about Emma Stone too much. We kind of just, we went on and on about her during our crazy, stupid love episode. So, if you want to hear us talk about her, uh, check out that episode. <laughs> um, nothing but good things about Emma Stone. Um I'm a fan of any movie about someone who's like well past their prime, right? And it's kind of catching up with them now that like it's catching up with where they on where they are now, you know. Now that their their best is behind them, you know. You get movies like The Wrestler, which is similar to this. It catches up with this re- re- like wrestler who can't quite quit the industry, even though he's old and should retire. Um, and his his famous years were in the past. And we have Rocky Four, which I don't know. I'm running out of movies I can think of, but I like the idea of that, like catching up with someone year, like like in the new Star Wars, catching up with Luke, well past his prime, you know, stuff like that. It just it it's fascinating to me. Um, I just want to throw that in there. You want you want to talk about the Oscars now, y'all? Oh yeah, let's go. All right, Michael Keaton nominated for Best Actor. Let's go over. Let, let's see. Uh, he did not win, but let's see who beat him out here. Okay, we have Benedict Cumberbatch in The Imitation Game, 
Bradley Cooper in American Sniper. Um, Steve Carell in Foxcatcher. And yeah. Eddie Redmayne in The Theory of Everything. I'll be honest, the only one I've seen is Birdman. So I can't really talk about these. Your, how many of these have you seen? Uh, I've seen this one, or of course I've seen this one, but then also the, um, the you said the Imitation Game, right? Was yeah. the other one? Yeah, and that was the other one I saw. Okay, so between Benedict Cumberbatch and Michael Keaton. The only problem I have with the Imitation Game is just because I'm so familiar with the actual history beat in the, of that is the fact that there are some things, uh, routes that they took that sort of annoyed me with it, so that sort of makes me biased to this one, and I fully admit the reason why I'm biased is because of that. Jared, have you, have, sexuality. have you seen the theory? Well, it wasn't about the sexuality. It was more about him interacting with everyone, and like, yeah, I'll <laughs> talk about it another time. Uh, Jared? Uh, yeah, I actually watched all of those movies. Okay. Do you agree with Eddie Redmayne over... Because I'm watching Michael Keaton in this movie, and I'm like, damn, he's probably the best actor of this year. I haven't seen the rest, but I, I, I mean, that, that'd be my pick. Uh, no, this is a tough year, man. Um, I like Obviously, I mentioned Steve Carell before in Foxcatcher. I thought, I thought he just did such a good job as Mark DuPont, or John DuPont, sorry, uh, in that movie. Um, Redmayne, Eddie Redmayne did a pretty good job as well, but I don't... I don't know. I felt like he got that because it was right after like Stephen Hawking passed and things like that. But now for me, it's either Steve Carell or Michael Keaton. Couldn't can't go wrong with either one. Bradley Cooper actually did a good job, so I'm actually glad to see he got nominated. So that's good for like his career because it would just suck to see that guy finish his career without being nominated for one of the biggest biggest awards given out to actors. He was awesome in that um, Lady Gaga movie, whatever movie that was. Um, I just thought about that. That was, that was the first time I was like, damn, Bradley Cooper's good. <laughs> the star is born. The star is born. Yeah, I was like, damn, he's <laughs> awesome. Um, okay. Um, we have Edward Norton was nominated as a supporting actor. Um, he, he was nominated, nominated. He didn't win. We have Mark Ruffalo in this category for Foxcatcher, Ethan Hawke and Boyhood, which I'll, I, I liked Boyhood. I'm one of the 12. Um, uh- Make make that thirteen. Thirteen. Make All that right. 13. I, I actually love Boyhood too. Um, who's the director of again? I can't remember. Uh, Richard Linklater. Yes, one of my favorites. I don't know why I forgot his name live on the air. Um, Robert Duvall and The Judge, which I think was an Oscar bait movie, um, and J.K. Simmons and Whiplash actually won. Jared, you seem like you watch every movie under the sun. Do you agree with that? Uh, no, J.K. Simmons. Honestly, like it's not even close. But shouldn't he? I I didn't watch it, but it feels like he was had more screen time than the lead actor. Am I wrong? No, he didn't. Okay, I just want to check. No, but like it's not even close. Like this was an open and shut just case. Everyone like, remembers him more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Like I like again, we talked at length about Edward Norton, but like just J.K. Simmons was phenomenal in that okay, movie. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I mean, I've heard nothing but how awesome he was in that movie. Yorton, you have any thoughts before we move on? Uh, no, I don't have any additional thoughts on it. Sweet. All right. Um, actress in a supporting role. Um, Emma Stone was nominated. Obviously, she was fantastic. She was nominated with Meryl Streep, um, who just gets nominated every year. Akira Knightley in The Imitation Game. Laura Dern in Wild. But Patricia Arquette from Boyhood won. 
I'm not upset with that because I thought she was really good in that movie. Um, I don't know if Emma Stone was in enough of this movie to maybe win the award. Is my am I flawed in that thinking, Jared? No, I'm just glad Boyhood won some award that year because they were nominated quite a bit but didn't win almost anything. So I'm just glad mm. that movie won something. That's... As again, now one of the 13 people who like that movie. <laughs> it's a crazy idea, Jordan. Do you know the the story behind Boyhood? Yeah, it's the one where they they uh, filmed the kid for like several years, then made it into a movie. Correct? Yeah, yeah. They just every like three years or so they'd catch up. With and it's in the tech Houston area, isn't it? Think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's from, that's from here in Houston. Linklater yeah. loves Houston and the area for sure. The only problem with that movie is I didn't like the boy when he grew up. I was like, he's a dick. But whatever. We'll talk about that when we watch the movie. Um, what else? It was nominated for cinematography, and it won. Emmanuel Lubezki was the cinematographer, and I'm not gonna lie, I was. That's one of my favorite parts about this movie. It's just New York City, right? And the lights of the stage and. Everything about this movie I thought was just fantastic. And plus, he had a very, very difficult job trying to make this look like one continuous scene. So, I mean, just for pure effort alone, I feel like you have to give it to him. But the other nominees were Roger Deakins and Unbroken, Dick Pope and for Mr. Turner. Oh, man, two people that I can't pronounce for IDA, Ida. I don't never heard of that movie. Robert Yeoman. For the Grand Budapest Hotel is the other option. Shout out Robert Yellman. Shout out Wes Anderson. I still think Birdman. I think that guy slayed it. Yeah. Oh, no, no. He deserved to win, but just still love all the Wes Anderson movie love. And Alejandro Enaritu? Did I say that yes. right? Yes. All right. He, uh, he actually won for Best Director, right? So he won Best Director. Richard Linklater was nominated. Foxcatcher, Grand Budapest Hotel, and Imitation Game were nominated, but Jared, do you think that's fair? Is that accurate? I mean, like, I know you and I were talking before we logged on, but like, what a big year this was, man. Mm. Like, obviously, Inaritu won. He makes great movies. Bennett Miller made Foxcatcher in the movie right before Foxcatcher was Moneyball. We talked about how Moneyball is great. Uh, Wes Anderson obviously makes all good movies. Um, so now it's just, what a year. Uh, what a year for directors. What a tough competition to go against. I feel like the Oscar needs a category for just like inventiveness. Like Boyhood <laughs> should win some kind of award for like, oh, that's new. You know? Well, I mean, that's what Best Original Screenplay is for, but you didn't win. So I was kind of upset, but Birdman won for Best Original I don't know. I don't, I don't think screenplay, just I'm talking about like idea, like the idea of following this kid around his whole life and recording him and making a movie out of it you know and then or like like the idea for this movie make it one long take you know stuff like that i think there needs to be probably not officially but there needs to be an unofficial award for creativity or something i don't know maybe they have one in the small because they have like other awards in the oscars but they usually those aren't the main ones that get shown on television Mm -hmm. so i don't know if there's a category like that um, I don't see... Oh, it won Best Picture as well. So it beat out American Sniper, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. That's a hell of a lineup right there, y'all. Amer- it beat American Sniper, Boyhood, Grand Budapest Hotel, The Imitation Game, Selma, The, the-, the Theory of Everything, and Whiplash. Like, that is a solid list of movies. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, this is probably like my second favorite movie year. Uh, 2007 was probably my favorite because it has two of my all-time favorite movies in No Country for Old Men, which is number one, and There Will Be Blood, which is like top five. So this year is like the second like on that tier for me. It's just such a good year for movies. I'm looking it up right now. Now you got me curious here. Um, best picture. What what year? Uh, it was 2007. Is that when no the movie came out, or was that the Oscars? Uh, I'm not sure. Hold on, I gotta scroll all the way down. I don't think it, the Departed one for 2007. So let me go. Uh, so it's probably 2008. Oh, yeah. 2008. No. no Country for Old Men, Atonement, Juno, which is great. Michael Clayton, which is great. There Will Be Blood, which is good. Great acting in that movie for sure. Yeah. Okay, that's a good year. Ooh. I think I found my movie here. I think I found my <laughs> Michael movie. Clayton. Huh? Michael Clayton. Yeah, I I watched this on it's a, a good date. Movie. It's a good movie. We just made out the whole time, so I didn't really see it. This was years ago, so I need to rewatch <laughs> it because everyone says it's so good. I think I'm going to pick Michael Clayton, y'all. I don't remember anything about it. All right, cool. Let's move on. Um, okay. I'll go down my notes real quick. Um, I love the scene when he's being he's asking for replacements and everyone he's suggesting is in a major superhero franchise you know they're like let's get a let's get um damn it what's his name who plays hawkeye jeremy renner no he's uh he's he's making a, a superhero movie they put him in a cape too like he's just really upset because everyone they're like robert downey jr is like no we can't get them he's just throwing out actors and it's funny um I also like how they portray the press in this movie. Um, so I guess specifically, the press or the reviewer. I wrote down press. I'm trying to think. Oh no, it's I, I was the, like, I, I, no. There's that scene where he's being interviewed, right? And he's being asked a serious question, and then the female reporter's like, "Oh, okay. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, is it true that you inject semen of a baby pig into your body or something like that?" And he's like, "Wait, what the fuck? What are you talking about?" And she's like. So you're denying it? He's like, I don't do that. She's like, okay, I'll put no comment. He's like, no, don't write anything. What are you talking about? Um, it's it's because it's so accurate. The press just, it's so hard to know who, like you really nowadays have to know, okay, like Variety doesn't report unless they know for sure their sources are good, you know, deadline the same. But then you have all these websites that consider themselves press that just print shit for clicks, right? And I think it's just kind of like a, a parallel to that. I felt like his girlfriend is a giant walking red flag. Do y'all remember her? She's the one who was like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and then she, oh, yeah. Yeah. she like slaps him at one point right after telling him that. And then like does some weird shit. I was like, oh, that's a red flag. Um, I understood the sl- uh, slap though. Because he asked, to, asked her, is it mine? <laughs> The I'm sorry, but that deserves a slap. <laughs> yeah, I do agree with Jordan on that one. That deserves this slap. I'm trying to think of why. What what did she do that made me go? Oh, that's a huge red flag. She said something or did something, or I was like, oh, you need to well, run. She did make out with the other actress. That that probably would be. Well, that's just that's a that's put the red flag down there. That's so that's a green flag. Oh boy! Oh boy! I'm just joking. I, um, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. No, so if we're talking about marriage, yeah, you probably right. put the red flag up. The way that this movie plays with time, I thought was incredible. 
because you'll follow him out outside of the theater to take a smoke break or something, and then you'll go in and he's it it leaves him for a moment. And he goes back to the stage and they're performing, and then he's he walks in a moment later and he's performing with them, you know, and it's just kind of signifying that time has passed since he was outside smoking. There's a scene where it goes up to the sky and then the sky turns night and it goes back down and then the theater's packed up already. And I just thought the way it kind of sped time up without actually like doing that was just incredible. Uh, My favorite one where they did that was with uh, uh, Edward Nord when they were up in the Raptors and then they go and pan down and they're at the dinner table on stage. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a cool way to have time pass but still have a clean transition and i like think that. that's that is the moment where i was like i wrote that note down it's like the way it plays with time is incredible and that's the scene that made me think of that um can we talk about how terrible that that lady reviewer is just the worst. oh yeah she was awful she just straight up from the start said i'm gonna i'm gonna tank your play and you know what's crazy i i, I listened to zach breff and donald Faison have a scrubs rewatch podcast called fake doctors real friends and they got off on a tangent, and Braff was talking about when he was doing a play recently, like, they were, the whole audience was, like, belly laughing, rolling over in the aisle, just laughing at, and they were having such a good time. And then it opened up on, like, opening night, same result. Everyone's just dying, just having the time of their life. But the next day, the review came out, and it wasn't very positive. And that one review changed audience reactions to the play to where they didn't react the same the same jokes weren't working and it's all because that review got out so the authenticity of i guess the reaction in the theater sometimes is not there and it it's it, or i thought of that when that lady was telling them i'm going to tank your play because it sucks that someone just one person has that kind of power in that industry well Oh, I I didn't see it or anything, but I'm wondering if it also could affect the actors and actresses that are giving the play since a performance. Since this is a play, and this is not like oh, you're not seeing the exact same every time. Reading those bad reviews might have affected them that way too. And I mean, we see this a lot in Hollywood. Like movie get movie gets bad press off the jump, and then it just tanks. Um, we're all Star Wars fans, so we most famously saw this with uh, Solo. Um, we all can say when we watched Solo, like we enjoyed Solo. Solo was a good movie. Oh hell yeah! But it it was tanked because apparently Alden Ehrenreich had to bring in a a acting coach because he wasn't cool enough. But I mean, like trying to imitate Harrison Ford, I don't think anybody's (laughs) that cool. But still, no, it's just it got a lot of bad press. They switched directors. yeah. yeah, they switched directors. Disney shot themselves in the foot because marketing only started three months before the movie was released. So they kind of did that. It, like Just a lot of bad press. And then another Disney movie that I thought was actually pretty good um, was John Carter. Uh, it was a sci-fi movie I thought was really good. But then like I just early reviews from screenings came out. That movie's bad. This movie's bad. I watched it and I was like, where, where the hell was this movie bad at? I mean, it wasn't like amazing or great, but I was just like, dude, this is a solid like movie. This is a seven, seven out of ten. Popcorn movie. I, I've heard that several times from other reviewers that they like how badly the marketing was for that movie and misrepresentation of that movie of like what it was and everything. 
So, I mean, yeah, no, uh, just to go in from the film side of it, like, just like early reviews or early screenings, like tank movies, even though they're not bad, then when the fans like give their critical reception, Mm -hmm. like, oh, the fan score for this movie was like an 83, but the critic score was like a zero. And so it's just like, ah, there's a disconnect. I I think it's a, I agree 100%. I think it's a little bit different though with Broadway because it's so dependent on the person who's reviewing it. And I've heard multiple stories, just kind of listening to actors on podcasts and interviews and stuff where that one person holds all the power, you know, their word pretty much decides your fate. And it's just weird. How that, that is. That's what get us. That's what gets us watching cats I know, for right? two decades. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, Hey, we got a movie out of it. Right. So maybe we'll stop the, the, the stage. Um, Okay, Jerry, do you have any notes you want to go over? Uh, really quickly, yeah, Zach Galifianakis was amazing. Um, really liked him in this movie. He was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he kind of gets swept under the rug because of everyone else is amazing in this movie. Kind of forget about him, yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the dialogue. There were again, like you said at the very beginning, it felt like a stage play because there was a lot of like monologues and then dialogue. Uh, not, not not really anything else. That's what it was a lot of. So um, it was very enjoyable to watch and take a part of. Uh, I think this was Emma Stone's best movie, obviously. Um, you think this is her best best movie or best portray- performance in a movie? Like, are you saying that- no? Best her best performance. Okay. Uh, yeah, this movie uh, makes me want to act. It does, right? <laughs> I thought that too. I was like, man, I wonder if I can, I wonder if I could do that. Like I had a couple of thoughts, but I know after watching Edward Norton, I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we pretty much talked about everything. Those were a couple, but I had. Yorton, you want to talk about anything before we move on to the categories? I think I co- I've covered everything on the notes that I've read on and everything. And uh, I, I really got nothing else to add that much more. Well, with that, let's move on to best scene. All right. I have some nominees here. I know you guys probably do too. Um, my first nominee, let's talk about Edward Norton getting drunk during the the practice plays, like with an audience though, and breaking character and losing his shit. He's like, did you replace my gin with water? Did you <laughs> replace my gin with water? This ain't real, man. And he just, he went off and I was like, oh shit. That's where, that's where this actor's going. Okay, cool. I love that scene. Um, cause he just breaks character and goes wild. Anything to add to that scene, Jared? Or no, I thought it was a really good scene too. Yeah, that's a good scene. I loved watching the actual play. Um, when they're actually performing the play in front of the audience, uh, especially the ending scene. So the first time we see it, and that's when he gets that erection, and the audience kind of laughs. And Michael Keaton looks down, and he like, no, focus, focus. Um. I, I, I don't know why, but I, I really like the scenes where cause I'm actually really interested in the play that they're performing and watching them perform that because I kind of like that idea too. And so anytime they're actually performing the play, I found that was really interesting. Obviously, we have underwear in the streets and and then he walks in on cue in his underwear and just says, in his head, he goes, "Fuck it, Carry- the show must go on." It <laughs> just keeps acting, and it adds this element to the to the play where he's in the audience, and the audience thinks it's part of the show and all that stuff. I thought it was really fantastic because I had a moment like, 
oh my god what would i do and then he just <laughs> he just he just started going i was like yeah all right i would do the same just just go with it right um and then the final scene the final scene where it's him and he picks up an actual gun and i noticed that too because i saw him putting in the cartridge the magazine and i was like uh-oh that's a real gun. He shouldn't have listened to Edward Norton at all. And I, the whole time he's walking out there, you're just thinking like he, he's gonna kill himself, right? And you're on the edge of your seat wondering like, is he gonna do this? I thought the way they built up, they built that up. The anticipation was really good. And I guess that's not the final scene. The final scene is him at the hospital. But I don't know. That's the scene I was talking about. Jared, do you want to throw any more scenes on there? Um, I do want to throw the scene where they first meet Edward Norton and he's going over the play and he was like, you don't need to read the script. He's like, no, I don't. I'm just, I know the lines. I know this. So that one, um, obviously the, when you're first introduced to Emma, Emma Stone, when she's talking to, uh, Michael Keaton, when they have their first, uh, fight and the final scene where, um, he flies. He jumps out of the window. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you're adding all those on there. Okay. That's good. There's a lot of scenes in this movie to pick from. There's some awesome scenes. Yorton, you want to add any? Or I mean, no. You guys covered the ones I I was really interested in, and uh, you definitely have my MVP scene in there. All right. What is it? What's your scene? My scene. The my favorite scene was the one when Edward Norton was on stage, and there he was just ad living with him that first. On, on stage scene and I just thought man that he was just showing off how good of an actor he is with that scene man. yeah he's like this job's mine just give it to me pretty much yeah uh, Jared what's your scene um I have to go with the symbolism of the final scene okay can you talk about that uh so it's just essentially like Obviously, when he had the wrap on his face, it resembled a bird. So um, that goes into more symbolism. Him and his daughter had their final conversation. So it's just like him wrapping everything up and him accepting who he is. Um, essentially, who he is Birdman. That's essentially who Michael Keaton's character, Regan Thompson, is. And so it's just that was it it's just we watched this two-hour movie to figure out who this character is and then at the final scene we finally figured out who it is it's birdman i uh man i i i guess i took it a different way i always i just kind of thought it it paralleled his life and his career kind of taking off again and it was flying you know like because he got that great review when he was pretty much doomed to get a bad review and it he got this awesome review from the lady that just hated him and it was like a second peak in his career, you know? He had bird and it went down, and then it peaked again. And so that flying him at the end is him just like, it's his career taking off again. And that's the thing that Inaritu made sure it was vague for, because he was like, no, there are multiple things you can take from it. Mm-hmm. So neither of us are right or neither of us are wrong. No, oh, yeah, I'm not trying to say my, you're wrong i'm just my no, 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 no. i'm just saying like he intentionally made it vague ambiguous. for this reason yeah Jordan, what? and my takeaway was it much more like he's free he's like he did what he wanted to do he's free and he basically unshackled now and that's how i took the ending of him just flying away leaving the coop <laughs> i thought it was pretty good i liked it a lot i, I 
I actually was really worried when she Emma Stone looked down, she was going to see a dead body. You know, because they had played with us before. Right before that, he had flown to the theater, but then a cab driver chases him in and says, hey, you didn't pay, you didn't pay. You're like, oh, shit, so he didn't really fly. He took a cab, right? And so when he flew in that scene, but we didn't see him fly, I was like, oh, man, he died. And Emma Stone looked down, and you're watching her face like, is she going to make the sad face? But then she looks up and smiles. You're like, oh, no. Okay. They actually went a different direction. Um, that's a good scene. I want to go. I want to talk something real quick because yeah. this is something that I was wondering when I was watching it. Because when I saw him load the round, it looked like, for me, he was actually using a, a blank round because it was sort of flat. It didn't look like a full bullet or anything. Mm-hmm. And what I was wondering when he shot himself with the blank if all his damage is just from the sheer concussion of the gun going off, because you saw the burnt marks and everything on him, yeah, and swollen up, but it didn't look like he actually like got shot in the face. He just—it's just from that sheer concussion of a round going off doing the damage. So I was wondering if that's sort of what it was or not. Because I was wondering that too. Was like, it looked like he shot himself pretty hard. Like he would be dead if that was a real bullet. I would think, right? Yeah. Well, no. Well, they, it hits they, his he just nose shot his nose his off. They, face. Yeah, so but, he just shot like all the cartilage in his nose off. Do, do yeah. you think he was trying to kill himself, or was he just trying to be more real, authentic? I guess. Uh, I mean, it fits the character. So, in my mind, I think he was. I think he was trying to kill himself too, especially after what that lady told him. Like, I'm not going to give you a good review. I'm going to tank your play. The thing you've been working so hard to get off the ground, I'm going to ruin it for you. See. And I, I sort of feel like he was like mentally trying to kill himself, but at the same time not. Sort of like when he was talking about the with swimming, and then like, oh, I don't want to drown here because of all these jellyfishes. So I'm not going to kill myself now. Sort of like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he worked up where like, yes, I want to kill myself, but he really didn't want to kill himself. That's sort of how I took it for him shooting himself. I'm gonna pick the scene where he's in the streets in his underwear after he gets locked out of the theater and has to walk to the other side. And then he walks in on that scene where he's supposed to barge in. I just, I thought it showed off his acting so well, and it was just such a fun, entertaining scene. Um, so we don't have a winner here. We have the whole movie's a winner in that category. <laughs> Let's go to best line. Um, I didn't write too much down, but I have. Oh, they put him in a cape too. And then his daughter Emma Stone says, "You know, you mock Twitter. You don't even have a Facebook page. You're the one who doesn't exist." I thought that was crazy because I mean kind of relevant because if you don't have any social media you kind of don't exist except for those people in your life you know that you see every day it's kind of weird that's kind of what the world's become um i look like a turkey with leukemia i don't know why that made me laugh um any any lines you want to throw on there yorton I don't know, because nothing to me stood out one line, but it was just more because I was embracing their whole monologue. So it's not like That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I could have put like three Norton monologues on here if I wanted to. I just, I didn't want to write them down while I was watching the movie. (laughs) Um, Yeah, you're right. There's probably better lines in this movie, and they're all monologues given by Keaton or or, uh, Norton. Um, Jared, what you got, man? I have... Uh, when Emma Stone told Michael Keaton that you confuse love for admiration. Yeah. 
Um, I forgot who delivered this line. Um, it was either Norton or Keaton, and they were talking to each other. Um, it says, a man becomes a critic when he cannot become an actor the same way a man becomes an informant when he cannot become a soldier. Mm-hmm. I think that was- and uh, you people are full of shit. <laughs> Can we just say there's a lot of great lines in this movie? We don't have to pick a winner for this category. There's a lot of great lines. I would suggest you, everyone just go on IMDb and click on the quotes <laughs> and just, just read yes. them. Um, unless y'all want to pick a winner, I don't really have one. I like them all. I mean, I don't either. Yeah, cool. All right, MVP. This is the fun category, y'all. I have Edward Norton, Michael Keaton, and Alejandro Inarritu. Oh, God. Inarritu. Okay. Um, I, I'm picking Edward Norton. Because this is the movie, when it finished, I was like, damn. This was his movie. I know it's Michael Keaton's movie, but I left really impressed with Edward Norton just a little bit more than Michael Keaton, who I thought was fantastic. Jared? I'm going with Inarritu. Uh, just he. It's just so funny because, as I said at the beginning, so many other people told him this would not work. This is not gonna work. No one can pull this off. And he said, "No, I'm going to do it. I'm gonna pull this off. I'm gonna show y'all." And he won Best Director and Best Picture. So did he have a script already? And then he was like, "I'm gonna film it in one shot," and that's what they were saying no to, or. No, he just because the concept, the, like Jordan said again at the beginning, like everyone wanted to do this concept, or people have tried but they failed. Mm-hmm. He said in a dream, like he had a dream that he directed a one shot movie, quote unquote, one shot movie. And then when he woke up from the dream, he was telling all of his friends that, like, I'm gonna do it, I can do it now. It came to me in a dream, I know how to do it, I'm gonna get it done. And then everyone was like, no, you can't. Well, so what I guess what I'm asking is, did he have this movie and was deciding how to shoot it and then dreamt about how to shoot it? Or did he he have the dream and then go seek a movie out? Everything like fell in place, like from the dream to just like writing the movie. Well, so he dreamed about the concept of this directed as a one shot. Mm -hmm. So did he? Write the movie, come up with the story, or was it a? Yeah, he wrote it. He's the writer. He's got. Yeah, he's a writer. I didn't know that. Okay. Well, yeah. damn, good for him. Um, I mean, that's a solid pick. I, you honestly can't go wrong with any one of these three. Um, Yorton, what do you got, man? You know, what? I I will have to go with him on the the director just because yeah. you could just feel this was his baby project, and he's the one that got all this cast together and. And he's the writer too, and the dialogue on this, like I, I said, some of the this dialogue was just amazing. And it, I'm not even including how cool it was the fact he did the one shot. If you just did the dialogue alone, that the writing on this and directing skills just shine. And so, yeah, I'll give him the MVP. You know, in English is like his second language too, so it's even more incredible. Oh, yeah, he's from Mexico City. Yeah, so he speaks Spanish, and he wrote. An amazing English American movie. Um, Six Man, Emma Stone. Yes, sir. Any, yep. any arguments there? Nope. nope. Anybody <laughs> want to shout out? I guess Zach Galifianakis, but yeah, definitely shout out Zach Galifianakis. Again, like I feel bad because I thought he was excellent in every scene he was in, but it's just like, yeah, dude, 
So was everybody else. <laughs> That's true. Hey, we don't need to fix this movie. Um, do we have any questions? <laughs> no. I don't got any questions. No, not really. No, because I think we talked through the ending. So that was... Yeah, that was the only thing. That was the only spot that there would have been a- so this movie had a budget of only $18 million because it mainly took place in one, one setting. Um, mm-hmm. I guess two if you count the bar. But um, that's a really low budget. And you could tell the actors probably read the script and were like, please, I'll, I'll take minimum wage to be in this movie. Like, just please put me in this movie. Because, I mean, those. can you imagine just as an actor reading these parts and you're like, I'll do whatever to play this part. <laughs> like, whatever you need, please pick me for this part. Um, it made a hundred and three million, so it made quite a lot more than it its budget. Yeah. Um, Roger Ebert was sadly not alive to review this movie. Um, let's talk about Rotten Tomatoes, y'all. Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes, it's the Rotten Tomatoes game. All right. Um. Jared, you won last week again, so Yorton, it's up to you, man. What do you think this movie got in Rotten Tomatoes? And explain why you chose that. All right, so what I'm going with, because he wants to play the shutout and everything and try to get points. No more, try to no more is, Price is Right. You have to guess what you're I didn't I'm Price going is to, Right you last no, week. No, he didn't. But my point is the fact that I'm going to try to figure out a good one to really make him think if he wants to go over and under. I am going to go 91. Okay. Yorton. I mean, Jared. Or for Yorton, why? Why 91? Just because it, it it's an Academy Award winning movie, and I felt like the reviewers love this movie. This is a very strong movie that, like, this is, like, what Hollywood loves, especially with the monologue and everything and being about actors and actresses and everything. This is like Oscar bait movie. And it's and totally original too. Yeah. I'm with you. All right, Jared. Um, so I know this was in two's highest rated movie. Uh, Jordan pick 91. That's kind of what I wanted. I figured that. I'm going to go make you make the hard decision there. Uh, I'm going to go 87. Okay, so I'm staring at a number on my screen right now that one of you guys got exactly on the dot. Thank you. Thank you. First Thank of all, Jared, so can you tell me why you picked 87? Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. I wanted to go underneath, but 91 is the number that I wanted. I wanted 91. But I don't want to price his right him, so I'm just going to go 87. Well, you're, sometimes it pays to lose because you got to go first and pick the number 91, <laughs> which is what the movie got. No! <laughs> so Jordan God. went from 5 to 7 because he got it on the dot. He gets an extra point. The uh-huh. score is 10 to 7 for the year. So no, you you suck. That's I won in ninety one. <laughs> it got a set. And like I said, it was the perfect number that would and it would force you to be like, what, uh. what was so funny? Even before you hopped on the call, when Ray when I, when Ray and I were talking, I was saying that I always go for even numbers. I go for like 92, 94, 96. 92, yeah, but yeah. I said this time I'm gonna go for like I was like I'm gonna go for odd number this time. They got a 77 audience score, um, which I understand. This movie's not for everybody. But if you just love film, you see this movie. Um, 
I think we all recommend this movie, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I recommend it. It's I'm not going to put it in the Hall of Fame because I don't see myself watching it a lot. But I'm really glad I watched it because I was kind of shitting on it. Like it seems like it's just Oscar bait, but it's not. It's a really really well written movie. The acting is phenomenal. Um, I don't think it's a movie you watch over and over again. I think it's a movie you watch and you appreciate and you go, hot damn, that was good. Um, but that's just my opinion. Yorton, would you recommend this movie and why? And are you going to put it in your Hall of Fame? Who? Like, I am going to definitely recommend this movie. And... Trying to think. You know what? I, I am just uh, going to put it in the Hall of Fame just because I would like to watch it again a couple of times just to see if I notice any of the details and everything going on and everything. And I I enjoyed this movie. And it was right at the li- right length. It's just under two hours. It was quite good. Yeah, Jared, didn't you tell us it was three hours? Dude, I yeah, I thought it was, but it's not. <laughs> I think that helped me enjoy the movie even more, knowing there was an hour less of what I was having to watch. I was like, oh, he said three. Oh, it's two hours. Oh, my God, I can knock it out, finally. Yeah, I was like actually really worried about it. Um, all right, Jared. Recommend- I, I confused it with Inner E2's other movie, um, The Revenant. Would you recommend this movie? Uh, yes. Why? Yes. What do, you, what do you love about it, and how would you like sell it to somebody? How how would I like to sell this? Like if you're like, hey, you, you need to see this movie because Do you enjoy acting? Do you enjoy film? Do you enjoy like theater? Do you enjoy art? Visual art, like moving art. Do you enjoy that? Like this is the movie to watch. You get to see actors in their greatest element deliver a masterpiece. You get to see a director just do something that at that time just hadn't been perfected and he perfected it on his first go at it so it's just perfect in almost all categories the real question jared is or is this a movie you're going to watch over and over again and put in your hall of fame oh definitely really yeah all right i was not expecting this i'm going to write down birdman here we go well i guess if armageddon's in there birdman's got to be in here um, oh God. No, no. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's my own personal Hall of Fame. I love this movie, but I'm watching Armageddon ten times before I watch this movie, <laughs> and I think this is a better movie than Armageddon. But like, I don't know. Um, I might watch this movie once or two more times in my life, but I don't know. All right, good job, y'all. We got another movie in the Hall of Fame. Our list this year, this year is we got a lot of movies this year in the Hall of Fame. We've been picking some pretty damn good movies. We had John Wick one, two, three, Ungbok, <laughs> Golden Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies, Fried Green Tomatoes, which <laughs> was the biggest surprise of them all. Uh, we all were like, "This movie's great." Um, Rocketeer, Crazy Stupid Love, and Birdman. You know, I'm not. I'm I'm happy with our list so far. Man, the Crazy Stupid Love, I was. That's my biggest surprise because I liked a rom com. Yeah, that, that's a that's a smart rom com though. You know, it's a well written rom com. It was a really good. Movie. Oh, I, like again, I put it in the Hall of Fame, so I'm not knocking it. I just like for me, it's just I can't believe I actually enjoyed a rom com that much. You know what it is? They just got 
really good actors and a really good script. Um, Yorton, it's your turn, buddy. You have to pick a movie that was nominated for Best Picture. And the movie for Best Picture that I'm picking is 2017 Hidden Figures. Oh, such a good movie. Yes. <laughs> I I've seen only it. seen it once. I need to I watch it I saw it once in the theater. You're like, you know what? I want to see it again. Yes. No. What a great pick. And <laughs> shout out, Jordan. Finally, the first one to pick a movie with a uh, black lead. Oh, they're all oh, yeah. three black leads, it looks like. Yeah, that's awesome. So is yeah, this, this the NASA pick. one? Yeah, this one's stacked with black actresses here, man. They're, they are... Yeah, this is just such a good movie. So this is the NASA one, right? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So I'm going to learn it's something. It's the NASA one where uh, they uh, back then uh, people were actual computers because they were the ones that would uh, basically the scientists or the engineers would give them math codes to uh, process and everything. And they were the ones who had to go and f- do all the math that mm-hmm. the scientists and everything uh, figured out. And basically check everyone's work and everything, and it, yeah, it's a really good story, and it it did a good job on like staying true to what actually was going on and happening in NASA at that time. All right, we're gonna watch Hidden Figures, man. That sounds like a good movie. Um, until then, um, I guess check us out on Instagram or Blockbuster Hof Podcast. Send us an email if you have any suggestions or questions. Uh, BlockbusterHOF at gmail.com. Follow your... Oh, we have a Twitch now, which I think we're really going to... Over the summer, we're going to gear up and we're going to we're gonna stream on Twitch. Um, I'm probably going to do every Tuesday and Thursday night, play some retro games. Jared, I don't know if you want to set a schedule. I was supposed to, I was supposed to hop on this weekend. Um, then the weekend got super busy. Um, but I, like I said, I just did restart Ghost of Tsushima, so it's pretty awesome. So Jared will be playing a lot of PS4 exclusives, like me, um, but I'll be playing a lot of retro games. Um, but I think we should hop on and play some like Rocket League or something. That'll be fun. Yorton, are you set up yet? <laughs> uh, I'd still need to. Uh, I haven't. I've just been getting distracted and everything. No rush, no rush. But hey, we're, uh, yeah. y'all, we're going to hop on Twitch here over the summer and try to get that going. Um, whatever. And if no one watches, F it, man. We're playing video <laughs> games. Who cares? Um, so I guess until then, we'll talk about hidden figures. See you guys later. Bye.